Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are the independent voice of Wembley-bound Fulham FC. Whoop-dee-doo. Uh, it's a triumphant mood in the studio as on May the 26th, Fulham fans will be taking the Metropolitan Line to Wembley Park. Or the Jubilee Line. Or the, right. slower. Or the Bakerloo to Central. I mean. Wait, no, the Metropolitan Line's faster, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Walking up Wembley Way for the first time in 43 years to see Savisa's boys in the Championship Playoff Final. It's real, ladies and gentlemen. It is happening. It is on. What a night it was last night as Fulham were triumphant. Uh, against Derby County and well to quote a Hugh Grant classic it was about a doy that's ball. almost as bad as full volume right? yeah I know he rose highest to head the ball straight into the Dempsey spot Dempsey corner and send Craven Cottage crazy uh, and three gents who have barely recovered from the scenes last night Jack Collins hello listeners Don Betts hello, hello. and Ben Jarman Wembley wow Sorry. that what? was very exciting I like that a lot Okay. No, I'm not normally that excitable. I mean, what a night. What a night indeed. We're going to be looking at all the key talking points. This is simply really a reflection of last night. We're not looking forward uh, to the Wembley game too much today. At, at the time of recording, we actually don't know who has won out of Villa and Middlesbrough. Uh, it's about half an hour until kickoff, so we can't really uh, preview too much who we're going to be playing against. Uh, so it's pretty much all just reaction from last night. Uh, let's get some three-word reviews. Uh, Jack, I imagine a few came in, maybe just an average haul. Yeah, here, yeah, a couple. 158 on Twitter. Bloody so that was a, a, good, a good return. Well done, everyone. Chris Mackey, never in doubt, friend of the pod. And that was a good one. Lydia Campbell, friend of the pod. Tiki Taka Fulham. Matt yeah. Roberts, Am I Dreaming? Tom Dorsett, Dennis Adoy, Wembley. Uh, Adbron Smith, just ish, ish, ish. <laughs> um, and then uh, Greg Grimmer's Serb, Not Perturbed. Very, very nice. I quite liked uh, Justice is Serbed. Yeah, very, very which, good. Which which from Morgan, it's from Morgan Carlton, that is. Oh, that's Mine would have been good. dirty fucking dent. That, that would be, that's what it would have been. That's what it would be. <laughs> Dom breaking the explicit seal on this podcast <laughs> within the first three minutes. Uh, this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labricks for exclusive specials and promotions. Maybe you could put a bet on how Fulham are going to do at Wembley. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Well, what a night it was as two second-half goals overturned that first-leg deficit and we booked our place at Wembley for the first time in 43 years. There was a pitch invasion. Uh, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Fulham managed to do it. And Dom, it was a special place to be last night. Yeah, it was the first time the Craven Court has been anything like that since the uh, 9 10 season, really. Yeah, Can't completely. Because really th- even the playoff home leg last season was nothing like that. No. Obviously, because it's second leg, and if we all we need to do is win the game to get to Wembley. And I thought... I didn't think we played bad at all in the first half. I know we didn't score, but we had plenty of chances. Mm. And I think it was Tim Ream said in his, in his interview that it was just a matter of when we're going to score, not if we're going to score. And obviously, I thought when Cessna got played through in the first half, obviously the ball's sort of under him, so you can't bury it. But I just I just knew we were going to do it. It just it, it was just when you're just waiting for the goal to come, really. And obviously, the goal couldn't have come at a better time, really, because at half-time, I, or before the game, I said, if it was nil at half-time, I'd be quite worried, but... I wasn't. I Did wasn't. you miss it? No, I just I got back in time, just about. I would have put money on you missing it, though. No. I was worried at, at half-time. It just did have... I thought we played so well. We had so many chances, but Scott Carson was quite 
inspired and and I, and I tweeted off the Fulhamish account saying he had shades of the Ali Al Habsi just pulling off save after save after save and I and I must admit Jack at half time I was a little bit concerned it was going to be one of those nights was the feeling mutual no actually I was I was pretty confident I, I was with Dom's camp I, I felt like it was coming and that we were opening them up with not ease but relative ease and I thought I thought the amount of chances Mitrovic was getting and, and the amount of joy he was getting off Curtis Davis, which he didn't get the week before, was you know so comparable. And he was holding the ball up well. He was people were running off him. There were people around him, and he just you know it, it was one of those things where it just felt like it was coming. I kept shouting, "Keep the faith!" at everyone at halftime, which is pretty you know meh really, but in, in hindsight, but it, you know it was pretty it, it turns stand, out pretty well. standard Jack Collins. I was I just think. trying to ra- rally the troops, you know. But it was a, no, it was good, and it was everyone seemed to be you know, up for it and, and they came out firing, you know, in both halves and that's so important and we exactly what we've got to do going forward. I'm in the same camp as Jack Collins. Um at half time I sat there um just thinking that towards the end of that first half we really were starting to make inroads and if that if that half time whistle hadn't have come when it did, I think we would have scored before half time. There was probably about five or ten minutes towards the end of that first half where Fredericks, Mitrovic, Sessignon and Steph all had shots that were were really, really close to going in. And I felt like it was going to come sooner rather than later. My only slight nervousness was that coming out in the second half, we might step it off a little bit and we might start the second half in the way that Fulham always do in the fact that we probably just step off the gas just slightly. But it was clearly not the case. Were you worried about Derby countering any time? No, I, I wasn't actually because it was totally different. They were, there was no venom or dynamism to their counter-attacks and they didn't look clinical at all. You saw that with the header. I don't know if it was it Vyman or Vidra who headed it over the bar. They, oh, they, didn't, they, yeah, they didn't have any clinical edge to them, I, I didn't think. No, but there was that very, very important um, block that Fredericks made from the cross in yeah. the first half. I still think Derby had opportunities, you know, in yeah, Jerome. They, they did have opportunities, but they didn't look as clinical as yeah. you expect them to be in the, the way they were set up. Up, the way Gary Rout, Gary Rout said they weren't they were just off, off the off ball. the ball was Gary Rout just trying to play for a nil nil was that his main strategy here potentially yeah yeah play for nil nil then if they're lucky get a crown attack and score yeah you wouldn't be surprised if he set out for a nil nil would you like a draw is his best result but we were discussing this me and Ben on the way over to the podcast about how if you're going to do that and you play for the you're playing for the nil nil the changes he's made don't make sense because. You know, bringing in a Anya there and moving Craig Forsyth back inside to the kind of left centre half position, if you will, um, it, it kind of it's that's an attacking move because Forsyth's a defender first and foremost, and Anya is you know a converted winger, it, and so it makes sense technically to have him against the pace of Fredericks and and to you know counteract that threat, but that only works if you're trying to counter back. And the fact I that thought, they just sat in... I thought with a catch in, it gave Fredericks a lot more space. Yeah, because thought, he's not a defender, yeah. right? Basically, their plan was going to be to break high and wide with both the fullbacks. Probably looking at Anya because he's got more pace and wisdom. But in fact, the fact that Abubakar Kamara was out on that right-hand side stretching the defence all manner of ways because he simply doesn't know where he's going and nor do they. Like, it just meant that Anya couldn't get anywhere near as far up the pitch as as Rowett needed him to be to cause any sort of problem. And I thought Fredericks covered him quite well. I mean, Kamara was the one change that Slavisa made going into this game. Uh, Ayite, uh, the man who he was replacing. And, I mean, I was very, very surprised uh, to see that change before the game just because he's never really gone with that option of Kamara at right wing. And we kind of said on that podcast on Sunday how we don't... we, won't, we I don't expect to see him make changes that he hasn't tried before. But... 
it did kind of work to an extent. It did work, and not all the time, and not you know every way. But the fact that basically Kamara picks up the ball and he just sort of legs it inside. Sometimes, sometimes he went down the wing. He just sort of played a free role, which isn't necessarily always what you want. But with the amount of space they were giving Fredericks, like Dom just mentioned, it really did. It meant that that channel opened up a little bit more. And also, Wisdom was getting dragged out all over the place because he didn't know whether to come, to go, to try and tackle him, to try and stand off. And it it was one of those ones where chaos really, really helped us because it opened up channels for us to exploit. And you know, you saw that in the second half, the kind of you know pace and power he's got really does just unsettle people. It's almost the threat of Kamara more than actually the execution. Yeah, hundred percent. That seem to be paying more dividends for Fulham. Yeah, we always talk about having the collective working as, as sort of like 11 players to make sure that the philosophy of the football comes through on the pitch. And then we say that we rely on individualism for sort of like those moments of brilliance. But that individualism from Kamara all of last night basically was, I think, what made the difference. And the fact that you watch one of the highlights um, on the game and you see wisdom just running all the way across the pitch, just basically doing doggies, trying to keep up with Kamara because he doesn't know where he's going to be. And Kamara just stretches everything. It's just chaos. I really wish he'd have scored that effort. I think it was uh, just before half-time where Bettinelli does an unbelievable throw down the left and mm. Kamara literally runs from one end of the pitch to the other and he fizzes that shot at Scott Carson, which you, you expect him to save. But, I mean, if, if Abubakar Kamara scores that, he literally would have taken us to Wembley Way. I know, but he, I feel like if he scored, he would erupt. Like, he would literally yeah. combust. <laughs> he might explode. Same with Rui Font. If Rui Font came on and scored, I feel yeah. like he would have gone absolutely mental. Yeah, he, he <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it is very poor etiquette of Dennis Lloyd not to jump in Hammersmith end. But. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm with it. It wasn't that late, I suppose, is the thing. Right. If Dennis Lloyd scores that in the 89th minute, I think he's in the Hammersmith end. <laughs> I, I think mean, we're all in the Thames. Yeah. The moment, though, that Fulham were looking for came early in the second half, and it was Ryan Sessignon, who has had a cut, who has had a tough few weeks, and we called him out on, on Sunday's podcast saying that he wasn't good against Derby. He wasn't good enough, really, against Birmingham City. But... What he does is he hunts down space and Richard Keogh is called caught ball watching and Sessegnon just spotted the opportunity and he's so clinical in that situation. Who wants to do the football manager terminology? You go for it. I don't know. Hunts down space. He, was just he's a space investigator. A ram daughter. A ram daughter <laughs> of, uh, of Thomas Muller's own invention. Thomas Muller invented a position for himself and then Sessegnon's gone, I love that now. Actually, only until recently you could have a Ram daughter on the left. So, I mean, it's a new position. Yeah. So Same with wide track autistas, I mean. That's it. Sess is the space investigator. That's but what he does. But it's the one moment where they fall asleep, ball watch slightly, and he's straight in there. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. It's a great chest from Steph. Yeah. Why, 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 Steph, why is Steph there? I don't, I don't know. But also, I, I thought it was Mitrovic that. until I watched the highlights back this morning. I was like, well, obviously, that was a Mitrovic knockdown. Like... Uh, I don't know what Seth is, uh, Steph is doing there, but once he gets there, he does all the right things and Seth puts it away. That finish is so emphatically calm under quite a lot of pressure because you've got wisdom coming from beans. one side and Keogh coming from the other and he just roofs it, absolutely roofs it. Unbelievable finish. When's the last time any of you celebrated a goal like that? I don't know, like a week ago probably. <laughs> yeah, probably not, not that long ago um, at all, to be honest. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I still celebrated the second goal at Huddersfield away in our first season down more. I celebrate that goal more when the door's got. I realised <laughs> realiz afterwards I was stood on the chairs in front of me doing the like exact thing that Ryan Fredericks did when Tom Kearney scored against Leeds last year, just sort of like vaguely punching one arm into the air without any sort of real purpose, but <laughs> while standing a, on an edge. A big problem with wearing shorts last night is my knee's quite bruised today. Yeah. Right. It was hot though. 
yeah it was very hot well i mean it, it was like a furnace in there the atmosphere it was absolutely <coughs> brimming after that moment and, and from then on when Fulham were one nil up, I I felt much more comfortable, and I I just thought there was only one team really in it. Yeah, the way we came out, just overall, just made me feel like there was only going to be one team in it. But as soon as we went one nil up, Derby's heads just completely fell, and we completely bossed the game. I thought we we had some wonderful passages of possession. We really started to probe and press our midfield in areas that we couldn't in the first half. And yeah, I just think overall the performance after that first goal was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. But I don't think it could have got any better. We could have beaten anyone that night. Yeah, 100%. We were just really, really, really dominant in kind of all aspects of the play. And it was only into the last five minutes where they really put any sort of pressure on us again. And the the amount of ball, you know, that we saw in the start of the second half and the, ima- the amount of, like, that, that kind of good passing game that kind of went missing for uh, against Birmingham and, and in parts last week just started to come back and, and the way that we played some football yesterday was just spectacular. It, it went from the ridiculous to the sublime on from Friday to Monday because the way we started to pass it and then the way on Friday we didn't go anywhere near as direct as we did yesterday. Um, like the crosses into the box from Matty Target, me and Jack were discussing it on the way down here, were just absolutely pivotal in putting Derby under pressure that they didn't really have in that first leg. And then um, into the second half with the direct corners we had as well. Obviously, we know we profited it from... Adoy's header quite a lot in, yeah, in that second had, half. We added the more direct passing yeah. instruction. They did. They literally did. watched Yedinak's goal at the weekend and went, I'll have a bit of that. Thanks. Exactly. Well, yeah, how strange that after all those short corners on Friday and then suddenly... Yadar was right. No, we lulled them into a full sense of security that we weren't good. And actually, and Dom will remember this, that goal is a carbon copy of the goal that Dennis Adoy scored against Wickham in the League Cup in August. <laughs> oh, a carbon I, I, copy. I, I'd already gone back to the from, from a Sessignon corner who just came onto the pitch. He whipped it in and Adoy flicked it back post and it went into the you know the side of the net. And I, also I, I was kind of thinking it... I found it funny that Adoy was the last person around to realise it went in. Yeah. Yeah, it was on the floor, wasn't it? <laughs> to be honest, there's a really good moment of silence in the Hammersmith yeah, where absolutely. everyone was like, well, that's gone wide. And everyone... I, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, really it was so similar though it, it was literally a feeling that I haven't experienced since Dempsey because I remember when Dempsey took on that chip and I was thinking what's he doing here and and it hits the net and you're not expecting it to and, and it was just that that kind of gasp for air that video that is on our Instagram by the way I think it was taken by one of your colleagues wasn't yeah, it Tom Webb uh, where um, someone just shouts What's, what's it? It's, it's, that's the one. That's the one. It's like silent, and someone goes, "That's the one," and then the whole place erupts, and it's really cool. It's it's an amazing. It was just. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't. I've never seen scenes like that last night. I still haven't really got over it. I haven't really got words to describe what happened in that second half. It was just utterly majestic. It was what makes football so special. It's literally the reason we go week in, week out. Is is for moments like that and nights like those. I yeah, missed exactly. it. <laughs> what? I missed it. He missed the goal. I missed the goal. What were you doing? Going for a wee. <laughs> oh my! I thought Kamara's shot was a was a goal kick because it was some from some ridiculous angle, and I was down the other end of the pitch. I couldn't see anything, so I was like, "This is my chance." Where were you, Putney? Yeah, this is my this is my chance to go and have a quick win. And when we come back, oh watch everything. God. I got all. I ran all the way up the stairs, all the way down the stairs, literally get right in the toilet. Just about to start, and I hear the whole stadium go up. There's nothing I can do about it. Literally oh, nothing I can do. You need to go, you need to go. Yeah. 
I don't know Don Betts. Rules of nature. Except I'm having a pint. I, this, uh, so. I regretted missing um, the two goals in Basel because I needed a wee, but I think that tops it. Jesus. I decided I, not to go for a pint at half time because I didn't think I was going to make it back weak in time. mentality. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's because I normally, obviously, you go, like, I said, I tried to send someone out at 41 to go for a pint, and then I looked over at 44 and they hadn't gone, and I was like, well, why haven't you gone for pints? And then it was half time and I knew I wouldn't get a pint, so I, it didn't go. Oh, man. I mean, at least you still won, Ben. Yeah, at I least mean, you saw one of the goals. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. Anyway, right. and when I see us score at Wembley, it'll be even better. Exactly. Uh, moving on for the rest of the game, as you mentioned, Derby did try and throw the kitchen sink at Fulham to the best of their abilities. Didn't really create any clear-cut it's chances apart from... Probably the smallest, worst kitchen sink I've ever seen in my life. Why did they take Cameron Jerome on as they were off as they were no, trying to, to fair, throw the kitchen when Nugent, sink at When us. Nugent came on, I, this has got 90-minute Nugent back post written all over it. Yeah, you're right. I was yeah. a little bit concerned. The people around me were saying, oh, Nugent, he's not going to come on and do anything. But I said exactly the same when Danny Ward came I mean, on do you for not Cardiff. Remember when he scored a hat-trick against us like a year ago? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, though, I felt like... It wasn't too much threat. The only one was Andreas Weiman, who should do so much better with that header. It's a little bit behind him in in his. Yeah, but you got to get it on target. I completely agree with you, but you got to get it on Matt, don't you? I think it was one of those that even if he does get that on target, to get the the pace, the precision, to get that pass, Marcus Bettinelli it is not easy. Yeah, it would be no mean feat, should we say? Yeah, if he gets that in, then you, you you're, you're more sell- you're more congratulating him for a good goal. I think it's one of the only times you want Alvaro Morata in that position. Yeah, yeah. The head. Ma- <laughs> don't want him in, in any other position. The headmaster himself. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Uh, and then the six minutes of added time, which which felt like sixty. It was. I thought it went quite quickly, to be honest. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't think that. Oh. I did start a timer and it went at five forty, but I think I just started it late, so I was like, oh, I see. I, I'm pretty sure like, half people in the ground didn't realize the final whistle went. No, no. they didn't. Because they'd was... given like a goal kick, and then he gave he gave he blew the final whistle. Yeah. But he also, I think Mitrovic had just been flagged offside as the fight. So I was looking at that too busy because I didn't think that Mitrovic was offside. So I was about to have a like a blast at the ref, but and then and then obviously it was full time and, and a pitch invasion. Has that ever? I mean, I can't remember that ever happening. Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea at home. Oh, of course. Uh, but I mean, not in the same. No, kind of, the Chelsea like one. That, no. the, the Chelsea, Chelsea one was, was far more big, sinister. A big scrap, basically. Yeah. The Chelsea one was far more sinister. I mean, it didn't even feel like a pitch invasion. By the end, it was just like a fancy walking on the pitch. Yeah, why not? I think my dad got involved. That was a personal highlight. <laughs> yeah. He um, had a photo with uh, our man Nathan in the stand, I noticed. Yeah, indeed. I, saw, I noticed he brought the flag on. The flag came on for a walk. I was trying to find Cyrus to give it to him, but he, I couldn't get it. To be honest, because I was all the way up at the back of the... Well, straight out of like, Coventry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Don, were you on the pitch? No, I was too busy. An emotional wreck at the back of the Hammersmith. <laughs> and Ben, are oh, you too far? You got high up the Putney, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. And actually, could people really invade the pitch from the Putney because there was like a line of stewards? They between... definitely, they definitely did, um, but not many people got on because as soon as they figured out what was happening, there was a line of stewards and then line of police. So mm. yeah, I guess it really really was, also I saw a Putney end fella on the TV get absolutely poleaxed by one of the stewards. Yeah. It was like they just, it was like they chose one bloke and three stewards hit him at once, and yeah. it was oh, like. Man. Like, look how many people are on the pitch. He's <laughs> like, this one bloke's getting absolutely pummeled by security. I'm like, if you are that bloke, please get in touch. Um, what was the Putney end like? Because, I mean, rarely is it so filled with, with home fans. And we always they always say the Putney end can't hear the hammy end and, and vice versa. Well, what was it like over there? Actually, 
really good for the most part. It's very, very positive over there from the, from the moment like we kicked off the game. We could hear everything that the Hammersmith end were singing. Um, it was actually really vocal out there as well. We sung quite a lot, but I don't know if anyone would be able to hear us, to be honest. At one we point, could... you could see that they were doing a different song because the like, claps were going at yeah, a different they were. time. And I was like, oh my God, the Putney end is singing its own song. It was actually really good, especially in the f- when you, we were kicking towards uh, the Putney in the first half. Like the, It was really, really vocal. Everyone was jeeing everyone but, on. It was, but it was great. It isn't because you could see the Dowie fan bouncing, but you couldn't actually hear anything. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, we to be fair, I didn't really hear Derby that much until the second half when they started to really pile on. Then it was a lot of "I love you, Derby." That was it. Also, some Derby fan in Bishop's Park after the game tried saying we were time wasters. I like, hang on here. Oh. Yeah, it's like Scott Carson's time wasting after one minute and thirty-seven seconds. Yeah, that was in- almost incredible. Like, as in, like I was, I was like gobsmacked. The only team I've seen do anything similar to that was when Barnsley started time wasting after like seventeen minutes. And but they were, Albion, <laughs> they were one nil up. To be fair, the, the one that I really, I did like Scott Carson until he started shouting unnecessarily in a Bubakaka Morales face. Yeah, I can understand why he'd be annoyed. It he's tried, awful he's tried to buy a foul off you, but there's no no reason to scream in someone's face. Oh, I, don't I don't know no, that. I, I mean, know. I think you that would, would wind be, me up quite a lot. You would be mad, though, because cringe. he's basically cheated. and He's not got away with it, so why? Yeah, he's you know, tried to get a fellow professional sent off, I think. That, that would get thought. Scott Carson sent off in, in, in a season-defining game. I'm not like... Scott Carson did let his country down there. Yeah, he did. I was, I was really annoyed the entire ground wasn't... Do you support that. Ireland? What are you talking about? I didn't say my country. I said his mm. country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dubious. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was a bit just annoyed, really, with Abubakar because I didn't think he needed to no, go down. There's, no. No, there's absolutely no need. Could have just bent it around him. Every other option there is better than what but, he did. One, one, one Cess is literally gobbling through the middle but more than that if if Kamara just runs into Carson right he doesn't have to like try and go around him and get caught if he runs directly into Carson it's a professional foul because yeah. Carson's running out of his box just run into him don't like don't like try I mean, that, and take that would a... literally send Scott Carson into the Thames if, if, if <laughs> running all you do is you, you just fall over him then and you're like well he's oh, just the, tripped me the, up the famous after Young buying a foul Vinted. just running into the opposition and falling over yeah, but knocking like, the ball past him and just running because Carson's coming out at such speed and he's last man he has to go if Kamara runs through him sound like a last man he has to go it's, yeah. it's time to go Carson <laughs> out that's what I say I mean, it was a historic night, though. First time to Wembley in 43 years. I saw a few murmurings of, you know, why were Fulham invading the pitch? I just... Yeah, there's people trying to get a nibble. Don't worry about it. But still, I just think that it was such a historic night for Fulham. You know, 43 years is an awfully long time to wait for a club with Fulham's stature. And you see what other teams have been to Wembley, even in the past 10 years. And, yeah. and Fulham have been pretty much nowhere near. But to be fair, like, what if you're like a Wolves fan or a Villa fan, why would you, you wouldn't know that Fulham haven't been to Wembley for 43 years? Like, that's not in your remit to know that, to Aren't be there fair. only, like, eight teams in the whole of the 92 that haven't been to Wembley and we're one of them? Yeah, but that's the only... But that's only come to light recently as a stat, and, and we're obviously aware of it because we are one of them. Like, I'm sure that other teams don't pay that much attention. Well, now Wolves are the highest team uh, in the in the '92 to have not appeared at New Wembley, and Fulham Fulham was second, I guess, because of Spurs playing at New Wembley last season. All of the Premier League clubs that were there, you know, I think Brighton, Newcastle, were all on that list. But of course, they've just ticked it off kind of by default. And I'm glad that hasn't happened for no, Fulham. No, I know, I know, Fulham fans, you wouldn't have gone. The away leg. I don't think I could have gone. I want to see Fulham in this situation at Wembley and I just think it's utterly magic that that we've done it and I kind of never thought we'd get there I just had this feeling it would it would maybe not never I'd like to think it might elude us I just thought it would elude us forever I never thought it would be in a cup final 
I always thought it would be this way. I don't think we've, we haven't... We'll never get anywhere near a cup final. We got a semi-final in like 2003, didn't we? 2004 against Chelsea. Played yeah, at Villa Park. Park. Yeah, played at Villa Park. Yeah, I think a semi. A semi John Terry can score. This is, this is more fat. This is more special than a, than an FA Cup semi, though. I think this this appearance. Well, yeah, because it's a final. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think it's, it's a it's a big old, you know, event. It's a historic day, and it's going to be a really really good day out. And you know, we've got to, we've got to go and make it count I suppose on the pitch but also like really just you know it's a it's a big thing to be enjoyed and you all have the pleasure of being able to see my face everywhere oh yeah oh no <laughs> is your picture actually on Wembley Way yeah I think it's going to be on those like you know the posters down the middle where it has like a person from both sides oh god of I think people, it's going to be why me. is it you look they, why you know, isn't they it a proper fan like Don Betts they yeah, wanted right. they wanted someone you know effectively good looking and clever to, to, Don Betts so they yeah. so they found you so, but they couldn't find anyone so <laughs> yeah. they had to do with me yeah. I, I, I was currently unavailable <laughs> yeah obvious joke in the book that one isn't it <laughs> I mean it would have been I mean uh, would have been me but it would have been I, was, I was busy no 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 you were no. moving house I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited to see you on Wembley Way in I both senses I can't Thank people you. people just shout abuse at you walking down Wembley Way probably yeah I can't wait for you to have a picture underneath your face. I'm going to take a picture saying what's more plastered, me or me plastered on the wall. And I think with that, it's time to take a break. Uh, we'll have loads of questions to answer in just a little bit. Hello, I am Brett Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Don Betts. Hello, hello. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Ben Jarman. Hello. Uh, please do leave us reviews on uh, Facebook and iTunes. Always much appreciated. Five is the number we go for. Thank you for all your brilliant comments as well on social media. Keep over up the, the favourite podcasters as well. I think it's one 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 at the moment. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we favorite, need more. Favorite podcasters. Uh, I've got none. That. Yeah, I think everyone knows you lot. No one knows me. No one recognises me. No one likes me. No one rates me. But I'm fine with it. If you see Ben in the street, just give him some love. Pinch his nipples. Also, shout out Drew yeah, Heatley on the Instagram thanks, story mate. yesterday. Sorry, Drew Heatley on the Instagram story. Yeah, yesterday. good vibes though. Good yeah, Drew does bits. Yeah, Drew did a very, very good Instagram not story. Not quite my boomerang in a pub up north, as I said. No, but nothing quite gets to that level, does it, Tom? <laughs> right, uh, let's right. get some questions in, shall yeah, we? Yeah, post bag, please. Yeah, okay. Right, this is from Nathan Tambini. He says, question, do you think we'll pitch at Wembley will support the way we play or give us a slight disadvantage as there could be more space in behind our full-backs? I'll start with you, Domini. I think it I think it works both ways. I don't I think it makes that huge a difference. Yes, it's bigger so we can play an our expansive game, but it's going to lose the counter. It suits the counter. So I think it, it it works both ways. Yes, we can play our game, but it will also settle to the counter attack. So I don't really understand the point of the question to be honest. Sammy. I no, I think there's a big point to the question, especially when you saw Birmingham and and how much that did affect our play. Uh, the big pitch will suit us, and you'd like to think that it will help us be able to pass around them. I don't think I'm not too worried about the space behind the fullbacks. The only thing with Wembley that I've been seeing a few comments in the past few days uh, is how the pitch carries. It's all one thing being a big pitch, but you know, do they cut the grass? short and, and and how much do they water it i've seen quite a few people say that the pitch gets quite heavy it's at a, wembley it's a plastic this is why they've changed the schedule round for right. the playoffs so that the championship game is first because it gets the best quality of football and it's not cut up from the two games before it also the pitch at wembley is a like a multi-grain um, multi-grain which is the same pitch they use the etihad so i assume it'd probably be all right it's <laughs> 
It's um, well, it at first it was terrible with Wembley when yeah, it was first. Yeah, built. that was in Fairness in like 2007. But obviously now it's got shade cards, millions pumped into it's it. A so mixture, I'm sure it's gone up. It's a mixture of plastic, and I think it's seven other different grass types. Yeah. Some thin, some thick. So grass types isn't grass just grass? No, it's Come not. On, mate, you got <laughs> yeah. a lot to learn about yeah. grass. Thick grass, thin grass, yeah. short grass, long grass. These don't two, be, know, these don't two be know. a grass. <laughs> <laughs> these two know everything about grass. Yeah, but it, it is a, it's a great pitch, and um, having been there a few times to watch Tottenham this season in the Champions League, it. It does carry quite well, and they do water it a lot, so I think it'll probably favour yeah, us. Especially as Tottenham playing in the season, and, and the title football they like to play is relatively similar to ours. So you'd expect the pitch would suit our style of play. This from Tom Featherston. He says, does last night challenge the Europa League final night for the best night as a fan? Dom? No, because it's a European final. But uh, it's, the be- it's the best one we've had since then. But it can't be Europa League final, because it's not like a playoff final is like out of reach of us. Would really. winning a playoff final be better than losing a European final yeah because you're winning the final well yeah but I mean <laughs> so I'm not so bla- I'm not so black and white as that I don't think that it's an easy yes, you comparison you're always well, black but yeah. uh, I don't think it's an easy comparison saying like European final to last night I think you can compare last night with Juventus. Hamburg at home Juventus at home and I, th- I genuinely think last night was really up there. Yes, it wasn't the prestige of the opposition. Juventus was just the most unbelievable result. And of course, Hamburg was dramatic in a similar way. It was kind of, we were 1-0 down, we were up against it, and we found two second-half goals in order to win it. But last night really, really, really was magical. And I, and I think potentially because we'd had this label of bottlers um, kind of hanging over us ever since Reading last year everyone kept going on about it how this team doesn't have the character in the big games and they proved so many people wrong last night so that was why I think Monday the 14th of May will always go down as one of the most special nights at Craven Cottage yeah definitely Ben it's a monumentally special night for for everyone concerned to be honest um, I feel like it's kind of difficult to to judge between both of the finals because they one of them's for a major European Championship and the other one's to get back into the top level of football, it's really difficult. And I think it's all as I said, it's sort of we. It's not like it was ever unthinkable for us to get to a playoff final. Yeah. Whereas to get to Europa League final is just absolute dream. Yeah, absolute well, ridiculous, really. Yeah, it, it, like a club, like a club Fulham stature to get to a final of a major European tournament is is absolutely phenomenal. So, but they're they're both probably the best nights in in anyone's eyes for equal measure. I think the fact though that we've never really that we've never won a final at Wembley, even a playoff final or something like that, is what makes it kind of that extra special. Let's say we'd gone up via the playoffs I don't think seven years ago. Last not, night wouldn't have been so special. It's not about it's not about we're playing in a final. It's that we're playing at Wembley. This makes makes it different because we haven't yeah. played there for forty three years, and we've never gone and won a major final playoffs or not. Yeah, apart and from I, the Intertoto. I was yeah. about to say, yeah, mate. Janinchi Inamoto. Patrick. The Inamo- it's not the Intertoto Cup, it's the Inamoto Cup. Yeah, as we all know. Right, I'm going to move this on because there's actually quite a lot of questions about Wembley um, and about something we do vaguely know a little bit about right now, which is uh, the question is Joe Sansom from Charlie Grant. They say, you know, any advice of what, where to sit in Wembley? Are you allowed to choose which block you sit in, etc.? So, um, Sammy, I know you are the current expert in this so you can well yeah it's all all about hashtag full volume that is not a thing and no one should ever use that hashtag ever again no not full volume it does not have the the backing of the three other voices on the table is what it was mate full voice hashtag full voice I can get behind full volume now I know how to wind this lot up yeah so the Fulham Supporters Trust uh, got in contact with Fulhamish and Fulham Focus and some other 
uh, Fulham blogs earlier today, uh, say that they're recommending that blocks 110 to 113 uh, behind the goal in the lower tier at the east side of Wembley Stadium is where an unofficial singing section is going to be. I don't think that's not a particularly radical move by the Fulham Supporters Trust. That was where I think most people would have been expecting it to be anyway. That's category three, which still means it's quite an eye watering £64. And is it like a £2.40 booking fee? Yeah. And £48 pound for an under 21. So and is it like, I think front. it's £2.40 as well, postage fee as well. So it's an expensive one. Um, and we're, you're always, we're always going to expect it's going to be expensive. Just right? to touch on that, you are allowed to choose which block you sit in. There is an option to pick it now. Yeah, I think pretty much you can select your seats. I think they're s- selling them in blocks of 10,000 at a time or something Fulham like that. But I don't think that's something that concerns us too much more about the, the actual process of which Fulham are sending them out. Also, don't worry if like 110 to 113 are full, just book in 114 or 109 and work your way outwards if, if you know you're coming here to, to make noise and, and be part of that it's not going to suddenly the wall of noise is suddenly not going to stop no. at 110 to 113 just you know it's just a, it's a starting point for everyone if you've got a bit more cash and you want a really really good seat there's there's category two tickets which is the middle tier uh, of Wembley which are available to Fulham fans it's about 15 20 pounds more um, than those category three ones that we mentioned but that is a lovely lovely view of Wembley so I think if you're looking for the best kind of view that's that's your place to go upper tier though you can get some bargains I think towards the back of the upper tier it's only uh, between 30 and 35 pounds Sorry, you might need to remember your binoculars. Yeah, it is yeah, far away, but you know Wembley still does provide, a, and it still will be. You get good view still. It's just they're small. It's like yeah. watching Football Manager players. Yeah, it well, will, I always play on two D Classic, so that's fine. It will be a decent atmosphere, and and there are cheaper tickets up there. So maybe if you've got uh, friends and family that want to come uh, for a bit of a day out, and their tickets left, let's make sure that all Fulham fans though that want to go to that they go home and away get their tickets first like it's all well and good inviting your mates that want to come for a day out and support Fulham and I think yeah. we're going to need that in order to fill the 38,000 I really really do but let's make sure all Fulham fans get their tickets and if someone fancies a cheap day out it, they've been on sale for three days and there's a load of those 30 pound ones towards the back then let's do it let's get as many Bring Fulham fans down as possible there, there's a couple of random ones. I'm going to do two more questions, one a little bit longer and one very short. This is from John Mastrini. He says, have you seen a trio of bookings in one match as ridiculous as those for Steph, Joe, K-Mac and AK last night? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. But that Stefan Johansson booking is a thing of beauty. I've never seen anything as, as, sh- as wonderful he's as that. He's been so good at shithousing this year. He's been unbelievable. He's doing a job. Doing an absolute J-O-B. Joseph DeZero. <laughs> That's a very good reference. Uh, and we're going to end this with one from Lydia Campbell. It's a one-word answer here, please, ladies and gentlemen. Was Dennis Adoy's header the greatest header of all time, Dom? I'm trying to think really good. I'm trying to think of a header. Here. Well, I'm at Bride against Everton. No, of course it. I mean, just it's, it's the, the best header. Is this a question? It was meant no, to be a no, question no, where no, you no, both no. went yes, yes, yes. Yes, of course. Of course, of course it's is. the best header of all time. Of course it is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much. Dom's still trying to think of a different header. I'm, really, I'm trying to think of a really good, like, shit house header. Yeah. Kevin McDonald's over Kevin McDonald's, yeah. Barnsley. Yeah, that is the goal. To see. If that doesn't win goal of season, it's, it's a disgrace. The game's gone. Game has gone. Game has gone. That's all for me, Sam. That's all for me. There's the loads bag. in the post bag, but we'll deal with some more of the things that are more geared towards Wembley in the Wembley podcast, which is coming out next well, week. Well, no, so there's lots of them, which is uh, who would we prefer to face yeah. uh, between, like, Villa oh, okay, and yeah, here's one word. One word. Who would you prefer, Villa or Borough? Villa. 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 Good, right. We're all at Villa.
I mean, by the time this podcast out, you'll you will know. know who it is. But that's but, who we would have wanted. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, we kind of cobbled this podcast together just because we really had to react uh, to what went on last night. Ben, you're off to the WWE, aren't you? I am. I'm going to watch some DDTs through tables in a minute. Do you think you'll have as good a night as last night? Absolutely not. <laughs> Nothing's in the top last night unless we win the playoffs. Unless you see the goal. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, watching the highlights is a real highlight of event. <laughs> uh, right, well, thank you so much for listening to Fulhamish today. Um, yeah, there's going to be loads of Fulhamish content coming out between now uh, and May the 26th when we go to Wembley. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing lots of previews. We'll probably be doing some stuff with either Villa or Borough podcast, depending on who we face. Um, potentially some interviews with. Uh, ex-players or people that were the 1975 final we've got loads of ideas if you have anything specifically that you would like Fulhamish to do uh, between now and the final do let us know on social media we're receptive to ideas we know that you're all kind of craving uh, Fulham content between now and what is going to be one of our biggest ever matches so we'll make sure we kind of try and deliver uh, as much as we physically can between now and then can we get uh, Ivan on because he's uh, he's getting a tattoo and I want to find out when it is Oh, yeah, what is going on with this tattoo chat? I've so seen... Ivan said he'd get a tattoo if we won last night, and then Jeff said that he'd get a tattoo if we won at Wembley. So. And I said the same thing. Also, so Joseph of Fulhamish said in a certain group chat, not our one, another one, that if um, who's it, if Dennis Adoy scored the, go- the winning goal, we'd get a tattoo of rubber dinghy rappers, bro. <laughs> on the body. <laughs> I think, I think um, Dave Preston might be getting a Dennis Puyol tattoo because... <laughs> Someone well, needs to make a really good Photoshop of like Dennis with long hair. We've yeah. got one. We've we got do have a good one. I also quite liked how Jim called him Denny. Yeah, Denny Adoy. Denny Adoy. Denny! Denny Adoy. Denny Adoy. I mean, Dirty Denny. who wasn't crying at a full-time whistle, to be perfectly honest? Can't Great blame Jim. Jim for that. All right, well, we've got one last thing to do before we end tonight's podcast. Jack Collins, uh, can you name the episode, please? Nights like these. Nights like these. Very, very good. Well, Jim and Dirty Den. Should have been Rams to slaughter. I thought it was going to be about. I thought it was going to be about a doy as well. Rams get rammed. Kevin McDonald's having a party. Look, Jack has the armband. Jack's allowed to choose. It's his prerogative. What he does. Basically, he's like Kenny. Shouldn't be the captain. Yeah, Um, right. I've got the armband uh, anyway. To Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. To Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. And to Don Betts, thank you very much. It's all right. Fulhamish will return soon. We'll see you later. You white Laters. Wembley.